So it's uh, again about citta and the Buddha's whole emphasis and interest in his teaching, the many things he said he knew, said, but not important. The only thing I'm teaching you is cessation of suffering and stress. That plenty to be getting off with, <laughs> which I think you'll probably agree with. Uh, <laughs> so the, the causes of it, uh, uh, he nailed it down to the causes of it being uh, tanha, craving, thirst, kind of compulsive psychological reflex to to take things in uh, and ignorance not even really knowing that or um, understanding it or knowing that it doesn't have to be that way yeah. so the unawakened the untrained chitta by default is always taking something in and in that searching for certain fundamental qualities, security, one of them, which we get through owning something, possessing something, territory, you know, security, I've got this, I know where I am, I've got my stuff, and so on, uh, I've got my people, I've got an identity, I can do this, you know, I'm, you know a lot of that building up an identity, you know, um, bawa, it's called bhava, becomings, that thirst for a continuing solidity being a solidity that can continue being solid <laughs> and you think well what's wrong with that well it doesn't because it, it takes a lot of work and it doesn't quite get that solid it's always tending to crumble <laughs> as pieces of territory or pieces of one's identity pass away yeah yeah because uh that's the nature of it isn't it you know, we have identify with our relationships, our people, my son, my partner, my friends, and they pass. And when they pass something, it's going, ugh, we lost. You know, part of me disappears, part of my reference point. Uh, we search for happiness in what we call them, you can go out to in terms of sight, sound, touch, thought comfortable, agreeable, interesting, inspiring, gratifying, and so forth. Intellectual certainty is a great uh, um, source of desire. <laughs> and uh, this, again, uh, certainly in the canonical or Sutta Buddhism, which is prior, emphasis to prior to Theravada, which certainly uses those suttas, but these Pali suttas are actually pre pre-Theravada, pre-everything pre really. This is before these different lineages and forms started developing. We're looking for intellectual certainty of that. It goes a certain way. You know, you can know all about factors, enlightenment factors, and ethical qualities, and meditation instructions, but you don't get down to what, what what's here, what's reality. And uh, so these are ones the Buddha leaves unanswered, such as What's the nature of Tathagata? Yeah. Does he exist, not exist, neither exist? No. What happens when you die? What happens when an awakened one passes away? No. What's the nature of Nibbana? Peaceful. 
So there are lots of intellectual gaps uh, because the answer is you can't get this through the intellect. As this renowned, well, very interesting dialogue between two Arahants, Sariputta, Marco Tita, and Marco Tita saying, well, what is it like when the six spheres of sense contact, when sense impressions cease? Is it as nothing? And Sariputta says, no, I wouldn't say that. Is there something? No, I wouldn't say that. Is there neither something nor nothing? No. How about... <laughs> he says, well, you've, you said no to all these things. You, you say, no, it's not that there's nothing. It's not that there's something. It's not that there's neither. It's not that there's both. Why is this? He says, because you're trying to conceive something we can't be conceived of. You know, when those fields of sense contact which, remember, is intellect contact, thought, when that quietens down, you can't, by definition, you can't think what that is. You can't get an idea of it. So people find it's very frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> so we get to this kind of the, the, the limit. Uh, and the Buddha said, look, all I'm going to tell you is the path to that place that I have travelled for your welfare and you can recognize every every step you make in that path will make you feel better and more comfortable more free so just keep going um, at the end of it all the definitions fade out all the definitions cease even the sense of you know being a person you no know, being located in space and time am i eternal no am i not eternal no <laughs> am i annihilated no, I wouldn't say that. Am I not annihilated? No, because the very sense of I am is already just uh, not a real thing at all anyway. So it says, does not arise. Does not arise. Does not arise. There's a sense of cessation of phenomena that arise. Uh, and this is occasionally described. Again, a very wonderful sutta. 1264 of the Sangyutta Nikaya, Sangyutta Nikaya 1264. The Buddha's talking about, uh, you know, when passion ceases, when there's no passion, and we're not, when you're talking about passion, we're not just talking about real heavy duty craving. This is the, the whole impassioned nature of wanting to know, wanting to have. This is when that quietens down. He says, well, it's rather like, you know, you can imagine the sun landing. On a, on a wall. You take the wall away, where does the light go? And you say, well, it lands on the floor. Take the floor away, where does that go? Where does the light land? And it says, well, it lands on the earth. Take the earth away, where does it land? Well, it lands in the water underneath the earth. Take the water away, where does it land? Well, it doesn't land anywhere. It says, well, when the chitta is purified, there is no basis for the establishment of consciousness. When the citta you know, is purified, there is no basis. When there's no passion for consciousness, for elements of consciousness, for mind consciousness, for ideas, for becoming something, for being something, for not being something, when there's no passion for any of that drive, when that drive ceases, <laughs> there's no basis 
for the establishment of consciousness. Yeah. So name and form do not arise. That is, no particular form arises, no particular object, subtle, even, even very refined form does not arise. The naming, that is, the perceptions and the inclinations also do not arise. So we're looking, so, so yeah. And as soon as you go, you think, well, this sounds, sounds pretty dreary to me. <laughs> no, dreariness does not arise. Boredom does not arise. <laughs> yeah, negativity does not arise. It's not annihilationism. So if it's not annihilated, so it is liberated. It is liberated from the asawa. Yeah. So it's not annihilation. Now there's nowhere in the suttas where they say the jitta ceases. Consciousness is described as ceasing, yeah. um, cessation, that word niroda, that is applied. The, in the suttas we do not see a reference to jitta, niroda, we see, which is, hmm. And there's possibility, and there's certainly an opportunity for that, and quite significant uh, and interesting for my mind anyway. Um, look in Sangyutta 4742, 4742 of Nikaya, with the origination, with the arising up of name and form. Name and form means form, some kind of mental object or tactile object, plus the descriptions and the agitations and the inclinations and the stirrings around that. When that arises, jitta activates, it rises up. Samudayo, it rises. It comes like you switched it on, it gets, yeah, right, we're rising up. And then the activities start. It's then, it says, with the ceasing of name and form, there is the setting of the jitta. And the word that's used there is atangamo, atangamo. Clearly, It'd be very easy to say, you know, when Samudaya, the origin of name and form, Samudaya Chitta, Niroda, name and form, Niroda Chitta. But it does not say Niroda Chitta, it says Atangamo. And Atangamo is a word that's used to describe the setting of the sun. Sunset. Atangamo. So, when the sun goes down, it's not ceased. <laughs> yeah. In a sense, it's not, but it's just not. It's it's sunset. So the light isn't shining on objects, but it does not say that the chitta has ceased. So we're in this very interesting zone, something that's neither <laughs> exactly existing nor non-existing. It's in this non-manifest mode. In this non-manifest mode you get this term the anidasana vijnana. That is, there is a consciousness uh, associated with that, with the setting, with the name and form, objects, mental objects, tactile objects, thoughts, emotions, psychologies, drives. When those stop, switch off, yeah, then this is called the anidasana vijnana, the non-manifest or non-traceable uh, consciousness. 
which literally get a little bit of excitement around these terms because normally consciousness 95% of the time, 99% of the time, it's saying it stops. Well, here it's gone anidasana. Mm. And he said, this is the end of suffering. It's a consciousness that does not have an object. Yeah. Now, if we want to use another analogy, say you are, as we all do, we look up in the sky, we see the moon. The moon is shining, shining bright. And probably, you know, when you're a child, you might think the moon is luminous. And I thought you say, no, it's not, it's not, the sun is shining on it. That's why it's bright. Because the sun is shining on that, that object in the sky. Yeah, the sun is shining on it. But we think, well, I can't see any light going towards that moon. Right? Now, if we were standing on the moon, we're standing on the surface of the moon and we look around we see pitch black except these dots of light and we see, look around we see the earth is shining yeah. and we say well that's shining because of the sun shining on the earth but we see no rays of light streaming from the sun to the earth in between the sun and the earth it's dark we do not see light travelling to the earth we see the earth glowing so we think oh the earth is luminous shining <laughs> but the instructed person would say no the earth is not luminous it's just reflecting the rays of the sun even though you can't see the light passing it's non-manifest it only becomes manifest when it touches an object right what colour is a red wall in the middle of the night? It's not red, is it? When you switch the light on, it becomes red. What happened to the red? Where did it go? Where did it go? So it didn't manifest. Do you mean it's not red? Well, not really. It's a red wall. It's just that when the light's on, it's red. But when the light's off... So where did the red go? And how did it come on so quickly? You say, well, it's kind of always there, but it only manifests when the light shines on it. Now, if there's no switching on of the light, what colour is the wall? Now, what the Buddha's pointing to is saying, if there is no particular passion or interest in a thought, or in a touch, or in a taste, or an idea, then there's no passion, the light doesn't land on those. Right? Therefore, you don't get these glowing objects rising. Oh, I want one of those. Oh, I've got to be this. Oh, I mustn't have that. Get me away from that. We're not haunted by these luminous sometimes unpleasantly luminous, fiery objects because there is no interest, there is no passion for them, there's no fighting with them. It's just that the, the light has gone out on those objects. We have just finished our business with that. Therefore, the light of chitta, which you can't see, does not land on these phenomena. Therefore, they do not arise right? 
And this is how we can say that, you know, we're not Buddhas, but we can imagine that this is how Buddha, an awakened one, can be around in a world of sights and sounds and people asking him questions without getting to the end of the day thinking, oh no, another day, what am I going to do tomorrow? That person was such a pain, you know, and he was really difficult and she's great to teach, you know, and it's wonderful. <laughs> because he has no passion for that. <laughs> Therefore, they don't haunt, they don't crowd, they don't fill his mind. Therefore, the Tathagata dwells with unrestricted chitta, the chitta unrestricted by consciousness, unrestricted by form, perception, feeling, mental activities. His chitta is unrestricted by birth and death, by defilement and by suffering. Because the passion for these has finished. And so fundamentally, you, know, you might say our work, our inclination, is how does that dispassion arise? Yeah. Or how does the passion cease, depending on where you want to put it? What, what lights things up for us? Uh, basically, it's a default mechanism. It's often instinctive. And if you were able to hold it back, you'll see something says, if I get that, I will feel happier. If I get that, I'll have it finished. If I get that, these are not necessarily gross desires. It's a feeling. If I get, if that is accomplished, then I will be happy at the end of it. Once I get that done, I will be, you know, if only I knew that, I would feel clear. If only people saw this in me, I'd feel good. If only he wasn't around, I'd feel much more comfortable. Yeah. Uh, if only I didn't have this impression, I'd feel good. So something constantly, bhava, vibhava, bhava, I want to be this, I want to be in this con continuum of experience, which extends beyond my local self into my territorial self, right? Yeah, like my planet, <laughs> my house, my community, my family, <laughs> whatever it is, yeah, my country. Uh, I don't want these people in it. Uh, I want this. Yeah. If he wasn't there, that'd be it, you know. And people still buy this line, don't they? You know, find somebody to blame, political lie. Find somebody to blame, get rid of them, will be okay. Of course, <laughs> doesn't happen. But it's a very convincing line because it feeds right into our vibhava. Let me not be associated with, let this not happen to me. Defend myself against this. Very powerful craving. Because the compulsive sense of identification with phenomena means that if that's there, it's going to get into me and mess me up. There's a passion there. The passion is that which grabs it, pulls it in. We get activated by that person or that phenomenon or that idea or that terrible incident, something of that nature. We get stirred and activated. And we think, well, why not? Maybe you should be activated. Well, there can be activation which is associated with dispassion. 
which means I'm not personally obsessed with this, but this is appropriate, right action. So the coolness in which the Buddha manifested all his life, he certainly did a lot of stuff, and not every one of those was a winner. People disliked him, people tried to kill him, some people didn't understand, monks were misbehaving despite all his efforts and so forth, but he didn't get, oh my goodness, what a waste of time. <laughs> Why did I bother with all his ninnies? <laughs> get me out of here. <laughs> you know, they just... And uh, Bawa, I want to be. I want to have a nice, comfortable, agreeable, certainly for the Buddha, you can imagine, one might have been tempted, I'd like a nice, agreeable, comfortable, steady, loyal set of disciples. <laughs> if you look in the suttas, you can see quite a lot of the time they are wrangling with him, or, you know, feuding with each other, or, you know, look in the Vinaya particularly, the books of the discipline, all these terrible stories of monks and nuns misbehaving. And the Buddha saying, well, this is not correct, have I not told you? This is very bad for you, um, you know. <laughs> and lays it down. Of course, problems can, have been going on ever since. So the idea of getting nice, solid uh, uh, territory is not possible, yeah, in terms of one's environment, my psychological environment, one's social environment. That is not going to happen. Very strong. Wanted to do not feel good if that's not there. There's a passion for becoming. You know, because why is this? Because the true security has not been found. Uh, so the security of citta, citta sitting in itself, steady in itself, resolute in itself, its energy is steadied, its knowing is present. You know? It does not seek security in thought, sensation, psychologies beliefs, physical situations, ideologies, doesn't need it. Doesn't mean it can't use it, but does not seek this security in it. Does not seek gratification, karma tanha, gratification through the senses. Doesn't mean we don't see things. Uh, the Buddha certainly commented, this is a pleasant grove, this is a peaceful place to live, let's sit here for a while, take a rest able to sense that. Appreciating, but not, um, you know, uh, able to be on the move. Most of his life he was on the road, moving through, moving through, moving through. Losing disciples, losing his two uh, chief disciples, Sariputta, Moggallana, both passed away. These really wonderful beings who, according to him, he been with for lifetimes in one form or another, magnificent uh, bastions of the Sangha. They both die before him. Buddha looks around and says, yeah, place looks very empty now, just as if two massive trees are gone. And yet, there is no change discernible in my citta. This is marvellous. Now, you might think that's pretty heartless. <laughs> He should have been a little bit unhappy. Um, but no, I, I don't think he was at all unhappy. I don't think he's rejoicing. 
Um, you can see, yes, there's a loss here. But even recently, you know, myself, I just lost a very good friend who knew him for 50 years. Um, suddenly had a heart attack, passed away. Genial, friendly, lives nearby, uh, agreeable. Yeah, known him since I was 19, dies. And when I look in my mind, there's a recognition of that particular, you know, reference point. It's gone. And there's a kind of quiet space there, an open space there. That's what's happened. For here, what's happened was a perception is no longer available. This person, I acknowledge this person was a real, conventionally speaking, person. He's dead. So my first movement of thought is, oh, well, may he be well. You know, may he be well. It's not I don't care for him, maybe well, may he pass away, may his whatever is coming next for him, he's lived a good life, great, he's lived a good life, he's made a lot of goodness, he's a fine person, he'll, he'll go well, he'll go somewhere good, yeah. Yeah. that's for him, for myself, there's a reference point that can no longer be made, I can't say I'll phone him up, well, You know, it's uh, these phenomena. Uh, grief. The Buddha did not have grief. Uh, lost father, mother, everything, no grief. Because it's like the jitta doesn't get that collapse of, of oh, oh, there, you know, part of my territory has disappeared. And I get this lurching feeling of unsteadiness, and as is recounted, Ananda, when he hears Buddha's passing away, he just he can't bear. He has to lean on a doorpost, crying. Just the idea of the Buddha leaving is just he can't handle it because the Buddha has been such a, uh, uh, a foundation for him. And yeah, you know, the Buddha says, "Don't weep, Ananda. You know you have the teachings. You've done the good. Stay with that. What you have." Well, in that, that's your territory. The going out of the jitta sees, oh, that's good, oh, that's friendly, oh, that's nice. I could get this and sort that out, and then I'd feel comfortable. And so it would until those things disappear. And then it feels, oh, unsteady, lost, chaotic, uh, upset, emotions activated. And as the Buddha said, it cannot be that that which has arisen, born, compounded, it cannot be that that is eternal, it passes away. What can end is the bonding to it, the searching for it, the identifying with it, the, the colonizing of it, the accumulation of it. So that, that can end, and then suffering ends. So this does not mean that in the presence of phenomena one can't appreciate them, enjoy them as they are, act upon them, but when they're not there, there's nothing to act upon, is there? 
So with grief, we're acting upon something that's actually not there. We return to a memory of what could be or should be or won't be. But that's, that's, a, that's a thought, that's an impression. So this bhava, vibhava, wanting to solidify uh, in any sense, and of course there are vast possibilities for that, you know, Brahma Loka, Deva Loka, refined celestial realms and so forth. Um, but that sense of, you know, notice it. Notice it. And the Buddha is saying, you know, the liberation of jitta, or the complete liberation of jitta, is through the eradicative ceasing of this asava, of which bhava, bhava we bhava, is one of these fundamental default energies. You know, it's not personal, it's default. That which wants to continue, assuming that if we don't continue, there will be, I don't know, uh, annihilation. Or something. Because we've never known what it's like not to not continue. We've never known what ceasing of becoming is. So you assume that without it, we'll feel cold or bleak or lost or, you know. And no, not necessarily. Um, you know, this is not about vipava, getting rid of things. This is about not turning the light of the jitta onto things, not that passion going onto them. Now this is something that, you know, the whole of our cultivation is angled to, to work on, on these uh, very fundamental and compulsive default systems. And the way you can look at this in particular points that are useful to see, uh, becoming is often associated with um, an identity, what I will be, what I dread I might be, what I want other people to see me as, what I fear people see me as, <laughs> how I compare myself with others. This can be going on, right? And as long as that's going on, is there ever any satisfactory place in that? I don't think there is. I haven't seen a satisfactory place in that. Is it possible to not do that? So what I'm suggesting, one says, you just go back to the sense of I. Very directly not I am, I am this, I am that, people think I'm this, I want to be that, I'm in this position, I wish I was in that position, just the sense of I. And relax all the things that it wants to, that, it, that you associate it with. And there's something, it's neither something nor nothing. There's brightness, there's awareness, sensitivity, it's fluency, it's not frozen, 
Is that something or nothing? <laughs> Does, can't get, you can't define it, but you, it can be experienced. And from there, what, what is kindly, what is suitable to bring forth? When does things need to be calmed and quieted? Once you find that place, you begin to take responsibility for what I, the eye sense, picks up. You know, it wants to go, you think, no, you've done that a thousand times, it didn't get you anywhere good. Just relax, stop that. And, you know, this is not something you necessarily can intellectually figure out. You can understand it and you still find yourself compulsively measuring, comparing. So you need to develop the power of meditation, of samadhi, to hold the mind steady and to recognize that the object that you're going to, yeah, the idea that you're going to and where you are now, there is a possibility to break that link. If you're steady, if you really firm up, you don't have to immediately be bonded to that impression that arises in the mind, what you think you are, what you think other people think you are, what you wish you should be, and da 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 da. You don't need to do that. Uh, there's a possibility through the power of stability, samadhi. Now, and it, there's, there's a twofold thing. Once you, be, you begin to see the weariness and the, and the unsatisfactoriness of becoming anything, in any sense at all, you think that's part of it, and then you've got something else to hold the chitta in itself. Um, another one, time is a very powerful bhava factor, factor of becoming. Time. I've got to get there by nine o'clock. <laughs> Everything rushes, doesn't it? Even if it's got a number in it, you do something and you've got to rush to get it done. Because if, if you don't rush, you don't... You know, there's a wish to move forward in time, to the place when, if you move forward fast enough, you get to the place when you've finished. And <laughs> as you notice, as you do that, oh, look at that, something else needs to be done and so forth. So that speeding on in time, you know, and even if it's just walking to the end of your walking path and you want to get to the end of the path and you don't even want to. It's just that's the default mechanism. As soon as you see something in the future, you want to get to it. <laughs> as if it won't happen unless you get to it. Is it possible just to receive the present and let it change? Now, though time, in this sense, is really a condition associated with bhava. Now, change, that's true. The present will change in accordance with what the input is. So, yes, the future will arise, but we don't, by default, by default, as a reflex, have to rush to it. And checking yourself with this time and time again. And sometimes this rushing in time is to get rid of something. Let me make sure that doesn't happen. 
Now, clearly there are things like houses burning down and you want to move fast. So it's not about moving fast if that is a decisive thing. But when it becomes compulsive that you can't get into doing something without going to high speed alert and activation, becoming super busy and planning it, then you realise you've got a problem. You've got a default mechanism. You can't pause. That's a good check in what you're doing, say cooking a meal, driving to work. Could you stop 10 seconds? Yeah. Without, oh my God. <laughs> Without worrying, you know. Is it possible just to stop? Check. It's a very simple exercise. Just stop. Have a timer on your phone. Stop. 10 seconds. Counting. And you feel that percolate again. And then realize the disaster didn't happen. People didn't blame me. I wasn't confused. I was clear. These defaults of speed and time definitely have all kinds of uh, background impressions of what will happen if you don't follow them. If you don't get that thing done, what will happen? Oh, it'll be a mess. Uh, uh, it'll be too. It'll be wrong. Uh, I'll feel uncomfortable. This kind of stuff goes on. It supports it. People won't like me if I don't do this. Never. Well, try. Just gamble on it, and you're fine. Oh. Yes, it's different from how I'd normally do it. It wasn't quite the way I wanted it. But actually I feel much more peaceful in myself. <laughs> Space is another one. Distance. We're rushing across distance. Feel separate from. Distant from. Jitter does experience space. Space is the absence of pressure. Distance generally has some kind of pressure in it. Yeah. This, oh, it's so far. There's a certain oh, being pushed away. Or it's not far enough away. So we feel lonely, alone, or we feel, you know, crowded in on. Yeah. These are psychological qualities. Actually, There's only one thing. There's only one place to be. You can't... Your jitter can't, doesn't go from here to there. You know, your jitter doesn't get in a car and go 100 miles down the road. Your jitter stays where it is. Phenomena, sights and sounds change. But your jitter doesn't go anywhere in terms of distance. You've got no wheels on it. Different phenomena arise within it, but the jitter doesn't actually move in terms of distance or time. And yet these can be very profoundly emotionally triggering experiences. How far are you from somebody sitting next to you you don't know? You could feel, oh, I'd like to be a bit further away from them. Yeah. Or I feel so distant from him. Yeah. He's maybe arm's length away from you. You're as far or is this as you're emotionally comfortable? That's what it, that's what it means, really. If you're emotionally comfortable, you feel yeah, 
we've got space, it's comfortable. You know? And that could happen if it's the 50 miles away. Oh yes, you know, still in my heart, because that's the only place where, you, where you're, you're residing. So once we see these things as they really are, and see also you know, the alternative of residing in your true home, as the expression is, in your true time, which is now, changing, which is here and now, and you, you realise that's possible, it does change some of my strategies, but actually, though it's slightly strange at first, it gets feel more comfortable. I'm no longer so stressed. I'm no longer so panicky. I'm no longer so agitated. I'm much more flexible in situations. Yeah, I can be with that. What has stopped, what has ceased is tanha, craving, and and suffering. What's left? Peace. Yeah. Awareness. Chitta. Chitta. Yeah. Experiences the cessation of phenomena. And when it experiences cessation of phenomena, and it realizes that and realizes its independence from phenomena, it no longer shines the light of passion on phenomena. It no longer searches for phenomena to be gratifying, solidifying, anything, you know. It's that. It means within your own chitta, you haven't got a lot of people in there crowding around. You haven't got a lot of issues. You haven't got a lot of possibilities happening. You don't have a lot of places to go. It sounds miserable <laughs> if you believe in those in those uh, qualities, but when one is seen through those qualities as being reliable places or reliable phenomena that will make you comfortable, you feel a lot better without it, and you have something that can't really be put into words, neither something nor nothing. <laughs> yeah. And the Buddha called this unconditioned, jitta liberated, or the liberation of jitta from the outflows. And it is known. You know, it says the jitta is liberated and there is knowing it is liberated. So something is receptive to that. Yeah. And so just look at this in your life. We use the word liberation, and that's um, this liberation and complete liberation. So liberation of the heart from ill will is called metta. Heart's deliverance, the heart's liberation from ill will. It means the ill will does not haunt you, does not keep running up, does not keep rising up. That's the liberation of the citta from ill will. And realizing that, so the more you are able to, to touch into that liberation experience of potential, you know, where there was passion, it isn't there. Oh, that, that's, a, that's a liberation. It's not complete yet, but you get the flavor of it. And that's how you gain assurance. Because you realize the flavor of liberation 
it's not nothing it's not something it's a flavor liberation from the heart, from the ill will. And the more that we begin to recognize that, then we begin to have some reference points that encourage us to challenge our default mechanisms, our default positions, our default activities, our default assumptions about who or what or where we are. And... uh, because all those are bases of stress and dukkha. Okay, I'll stop for now, for today.